Hey friends, welcome to episode 11 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability, the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now here's your host, Eric Gall. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. Today's guest is Sylvia Pores, and Sylvia is a support worker. She has a ton of experience. She's been in the personal support work field for the last 20 years. Uh, she's worked for agencies, and she now has her own uh, business that she runs. I met Sylvia because I interviewed Sylvia, and I hired Sylvia to work with my family. Family. We we hired Sylvia together, including Sarah. We hired Sylvia to help Sarah start to get more involved in the community, and the results have been awesome. So I'm excited to invite Sylvia onto the podcast today, and we talk about hiring support workers, both on the support worker and the family side of that relationship. Uh, we talk about the different ways that you can go and find support workers to hire them. We talk about uh, really the importance of making a connection between the support worker and the individual that's being supported, the ty- different types of support work, and how uh, support workers can really facilitate community interactions uh, with the people that they're working with. Um, and alongside me in this podcast, Riding Shotgun, is my sister, Sarah. So Sarah shares some really cool, powerful stories about how she's getting more involved and engaged in the community and how Sylvia is helping her to do that. So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. And here's Sylvia and Sarah. Hey, Sylvia, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. Hi, Eric. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, my pleasure. And we also have my sister, Sarah, here riding shotgun today. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Good. Glad to have you on the podcast today, too. Thanks for joining us. So, Sylvia, um, you and I first met, uh, I guess, maybe... I want to say six months ago. I don't know if it's been that long ago, but you know, somewhere between six, four to six months ago. And uh, we first met as I was interviewing support workers for Sarah, looking to um, bring more support workers into, into Sarah's life. So, you know, it's been a pleasure getting to know you over, you know, the last few months. And it's been awesome to see the growth that Sarah's had working with you. So excited to have you on the podcast today. And I'd love you to give you the opportunity, maybe just to tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and, and your journey um, in the disability um, services area. All right. Well, thank you, Eric. Um, it's certainly been a pleasure getting to know uh, Sarah and yourself as well and your family. Um, over the last several months. So a little bit about me. Um, I've been providing support to individuals um, for, mm, I want to say, over 20 years now. Um, Started out working with an agency that happened to be a a community living and then um, was doing quite a bit of a commute and decided I didn't really want to do that anymore. And so decided to venture out on my own and providing support to individuals and families um, independently. So and that's how um, I got your information through someone else uh, who's in the community doing a similar role. Fantastic. So with um, support or supports for an individual, there's different types of supports that I've seen. So when um, 
you know, throughout the years, as Sarah's had different support workers, there's been folks that have helped her with, you know, more physical things like exercises or um, have supported with things like uh, respite. So staying with Sarah, you know, in so Sarah's a bit more independently for a weekend or um, or things like that. And, and what in, interested me was the support role that you play with Sarah, it's a little bit different because it's more of a community um, facilitator type role. Would you be able to speak to um, your experience with the different types of supports uh, or support roles maybe that you've played or just maybe that you've seen? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it definitely makes a difference on what an individual and what a family is looking for. So over the years, um, the support that I've provided can be anything from, you know, like you had said, more traditional kind of roles of, is getting someone out into the community, going to activities that they enjoy doing. But it also can be, you know, helping uh, individual develop skills that they want to develop. So um, one of the things, you know, I've had in the past is someone who's they've decided they wanted to live independently. And so what did that look like? Um, so they were someone who is needed to take medication on a daily basis. So how do we make them more independent in doing that? Because that's one step closer to their, their larger goal. So it can be anything from, you know, we had families who had said, you know what, I am okay with all the regular day-to-day supports, but I can't continue to take time off to attend medical appointments. So I'm really needing someone to go in and ask these questions for, because this person isn't able to do that on their own, or they're just learning to do that. You know, how how can we support that? So it's really based on the individual and what the family is looking for um, and what they're wanting to do. So, Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, can you give me an example of one thing that you're wanting to do with me? Mm, yeah. So is there is there um, an activity or um, paperwork that, that you're wanting to work on that you're wanting support with me about? Me, um, Okay, and what is it at the YMCA that you're um, you're looking to do? Is there something specific or the um the 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 classes? Okay, so checking out the classes. Yeah. And was there a particular? Is there one or two classes that you saw that um, you're looking to get involved with? The um, seated chair yoga. Seated chair yoga. Okay. Cool. So you're yeah. working with Sylvia to experience that? Yeah. Okay. So well, what was one of our first steps, Sarah? Um, when you and I were together, I mean, you're fabulous on the computer, right? So what was the, one of the first things that we did um, before we actually went to the YMCA? What did you look up? Mm. I research the YMCA. Yeah, you absolutely did, which was fabulous. And what did we learn from that? We learned where it was. We learned what their hours were. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we learned a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so once we knew what their hours were, what did we do? Mm. Did we go there? For a tour. Yeah. And what did we learn on the tour? Um, there's a lot of different equipment. 
Yeah. And what are, what are some of the cool things about the equipment is that um, some of them are specifically for individuals who happen to use a wheelchair, right? Yeah. So that they move in different ways that maybe some of the other um, equipment doesn't, which is really kind of cool, wasn't it? Yeah. I didn't even know such things existed. Yeah. So that's one of the great things um, is that Sarah and I are learning together. Um, so it's about that mutual journey and Sarah telling me, okay, this is what I want to do. And us talking through what are the steps in order to make that happen. So what was one of the, the forms that you had to fill out, Sarah, for the YMCA? Mm-hmm. I had to get a form signed. When my um, doctor just saying that you know what you're you're able to to do the physical um, exercises and stuff at the YMCA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, what's our next step in that process? What do we have to do with that form? Take it to the YMCA. Yeah. Awesome. So those are the kinds of things, Eric. That it's really about what the person wants to do, and how involved they want to be in that process to, you know, achieving their goals. Some, some people just like, you know what, it's, it's too stressful for me to, you know, um, do these steps with you. And and one of the things that Sarah has even commented on is that, you know, this is a lot of work and, but it's great because then at the end, Sarah is feeling good that she's accomplished these things. Um, and it's just sometimes that we need, we all need when we're learning something, we're needing some guidance on how do we get to the end result. It's, it would be no different for you and I when we're learning about something new that we want to do. Right. And, and it's interesting because I, th- I mentioned a little bit earlier that um, in terms of support workers that I've seen um, that Sarah's had throughout the years, a lot of it has been focused around, uh, you know, physical mobility, with, you know, for Sarah, whether it's doing her exercises, physio, which she absolutely loves doing. <laughs> and she's giving me a look right now. This is not something that she absolutely loves doing. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, or, you know, something like respite. What I've seen is it's a little bit different when when working um you know, when you and Sarah are together and the role that I've seen and the, and the way that that's different is the role that you've played has been, um, a facilitator. So you've really taken the time to listen and understand what Sarah wants and, and what are her goals and what she is looking to achieve. And then you've helped to, you haven't necessarily just gone and started executing towards those goals. You've, um, you know, worked at Sarah's pace and, and Sarah shown an interest in, in doing the work and it's, uh, you've acted as a facilitator to, um, you know, to help Sarah do that work, not doing the work for her, which I think is really important, especially in, in Sarah's case. And she's got a big smile on her face now. <laughs> well, I have to uh, pay Sarah a huge compliment because one of the things I truly admire about Sarah is that she is eager to learn. It's not that, you know, I'm trying to coax her to learn. She's like, okay, what's next? What do I need to do now? Um, And that's invaluable. Someone who, you know, Sarah really wants to learn. She really wants to try out new things. Um, And I really admire that in you, Sarah. So that that makes my role very, very easy when, 
you're very interested and very keen. But I think that's for anyone is if you find what they're interested in, um, you know, people are going to be engaged in their own lives. It's just a matter of sometimes people don't know what's out there and what they, they could be doing. So it's sometimes it's just a lot of trial and error of let's try this. Nope, that's not your cup of tea. Then we move on. Let's try something else. <laughs> right. And Sarah, how is that? So how is working with Sylvia different on the things that you want to do compared to planning your day with mom? How is that different? Well, I do a lot more activities. You do a lot more activities? Yeah. With Sylvia? With you. With Sylvia. So can I share what I see as a difference? Yeah. So when you're working with Sylvia, you're doing and trying the things that you want to do. Whereas when you're in a... Trying new things. And trying new things. Differences. Different things, and you're open to that. Yeah. Compared to when it's something maybe mom or dad suggests it's a new thing, you're not so interested. Yeah. Right? So. The Zumba class. The Zumba class. Yeah, the Zumba class. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's really interesting just how that kind of. um, Yeah, so the connection between you and Sylvia has been important, Sarah, is, is what you're saying. Yeah, and the, and the um, relationship. And the relationship. Yeah, that help with, with Sylvia. Okay, cool. Well, you know what, Sarah? I think that's a really important point that you bring up, that connection piece. Um, because that's, I think, sometimes when families are looking for a worker, and they're thinking about hiring a worker. They're looking a lot at, you know, when is that worker available? Does it meet their, you know, their financial needs? Does, you know, all of those pieces. And I think sometimes um, just in an effort and sometimes in desperation, it can be hard to find a worker that, you know, fits into the timeframes that you're looking for, that they're available and, you know, meeting most of your other needs. Sometimes that connection piece can get lost or at least it's not as high of a priority. Um, and sometimes I, I'll speak to families about that. You know, when I first go to meet them, I'll say, you know what, that connection is so important because if I am talking with someone about some of my goals, some of my dreams, and I'm talking with someone who I really don't feel that connection with, I'm not going to be as open about that with those things. I'm not going to be as eager to try some of them out because I may not feel as supported And part of the connection obviously will happen over time, um, but there needs to be some basis of connection there. If there's an awkwardness or an uncomfortability that kind of comes across first, um, that's going to be really challenging for both the worker and the individual to work through and have a lot of success. So I think that connection piece, Sarah, is really, really important. So thank you for bringing that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and Sylvia, when... Uh, my family was interviewing uh, you as as we're considering support workers. That was something that we really paid a lot of attention to attention to in the in the beginning stages. Um, was and and you did a great job on you know f- from your side of things, really being curious about Sarah, asking questions like. Um, 
you know, what is she interested in? What are her strengths? Mm. Does she have any, you know, pet peeves, right? To be aware of, of those things. Um, so, uh, you know, I commend you on, um, on the approach that, that you took and being curious about Sarah and making sure it was a fit on your side. And, and um, on our side of, like on the family side of things, I think that we, you know, asked a lot of those same questions um, back towards you to, to make sure that there was that fit. Did you want to speak maybe, I know you talked about fit quite a bit, but, um, you know, did you want to share from your side of, of things on that? Yeah. Um, so I think if you're, if you're talking about sort of that meshing of personalities and that, you know, that connection, when a family is looking to hire someone, I think some of the other things to talk about to see if the person that you're hiring has similar interests to the, the individual themselves, because it's great. I can talk to my, I love photography and I can talk to my husband about photography and he will, you know, graciously nod and smile and you know, that's all good. But if I talk to someone else who's also a photography enthusiast, we have a different connection. We speak on a different language almost. And so it's it's really, you know, if there are a couple of key areas of interest that are the same between that worker and that individual, you're, you're bridging that connection in a natural way that through any other relationship, you'd be bridging that um, and building on those um, similar interests. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also a really important piece. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about paid support right now. One of the questions that I've added into uh, my questions when I when I interview support workers for um, for families that I'm working with um, and and with my own family is if you got this job, how is it going to help you become who you want to become? Mm. And the reason that I ask that question is it starts to dig deeper into that individual's motives if there's no real you know um answer of substance there then more than likely it's going to be more of a transactional relationship Mm, absolutely so one that i would that that's been effective for for me and i can suggest families that are hiring support workers to to consider that one that sort of touches base as well with you know similar value value systems and it's a way to talk about value systems without just saying you know, what are your values? <laughs> right. You know, because that would, people can come up with some pretty pat answers, but you're right. It, it definitely speaks to um, what someone's looking for. And I think part of that can align with, you know, where is that person in their life, that worker? Um, is this something that's a stopgap that they are um, in school or they're planning on going away to school? What is, what are their goals look like? Um, because, you know, Sarah's told me herself about some of the different people that she's had in her life and due to different circumstances, whether people have moved, people have had children, you know, that those relationships change and, and they're not able to be her worker anymore. So as a family, it's a, it's a huge challenge to try to, you know, look through to see what is the long, you know, what kind of commitment can this person make um, if it is indeed a good connection and a good fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh- Brilliant. So what is that individual's intentions, right? And Mm -hmm. what are they looking to get out of the relationship? Um, Yeah. And and like you said, their value system or, you know, their purpose, why they're doing this work. Um, That question starts to get at all of those things. Um, So, yeah, it's awesome. So uh, 
uh, from our family's perspective, and I know a lot of other families struggle with this is, um, you know, we've talked about fit, but how do I find support workers in, in the first place? So, um, from your experience, would you be able to talk to, um, where families can, can look to, to find support workers? For sure. And I think that is something that families really struggle with. And I think there's also times where that there are workers who are eager and, you know, how do they get connected to the family? So it can be a struggle from both sides sometimes. Um, but I've, sort of from my experience, there's been sort of three ways that a family can get connected uh, to hiring a worker. Um, the first way would be through an actual agency who would do the hiring of that worker, make sure that they have, you know, their um, first aid and they have all of the those kind of um, employee requirements and they would do the scheduling. So they would say, okay, you know, Sarah wants to go to X activity, which happens to be on a Tuesday night, and they would provide a worker for that Tuesday night. And hopefully it would always be the same worker, but not necessarily. So the benefits of that is that sometimes family just doesn't have the time to go through the you know, to interview a bunch of different people and to, to figure out the scheduling and to make sure that they have their criminal record check and all of those pieces. So sometimes it's it can be an, an easier solution. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the downfalls can be is that often agencies will charge more than um, an individual themselves. So cost, if there, if there isn't a lot of re- financial resources for a family um, and that's an area they're struggling on, that that's a, certainly it could be a factor. And the other piece is that if there isn't necessarily the greatest connection between the worker and the um, the individual, that can be a bit of a challenge because maybe the agency says, well, you know what, there isn't anyone else right now. So this is kind of your only option. Right. Um, yeah. So to sum what, that up, um, it's, it, it, you know, there's a convenience factor, which is mm-hmm. a, a benefit. And then you're you're giving up some of your control in absolutely the selection process um the fit and it's gonna probably cost you more money in the end right um one of the other benefits though having said that is that there is then an an external person that can sometimes be a bit of a moderator so you know that worker that they would send would likely have a supervisor so that if the family is struggling with that worker they could have perhaps if they're not able to work it out with the worker they can have a dialogue with that supervisor and see what they can you know do to work through things so that can also be a benefit for uh, an individual or the family um so the second area that um a family could use is a service called respiteservices.com um Basically, for individuals or families who are not aware of this service, it's an online service that uh, a family can post a profile saying, um, and and there's no names given or or contact information. It will just say a general location. So let's say, you know, it'll be Wellington County, and um, we're looking for someone for these hours to do these types of things with someone who has these kinds of interests, and this is the rate of pay that we're prepared to pay then a worker like myself can also put up an ad and say, this is who I am. These are my, you know, my goals. These are, um, this is my education. This is what my availability is. And this is the rate of pay I'm expecting. Um, so it's a way to sort of match in families or in individuals um, with a worker. Now, having said that, it can be challenging um, that sometimes that workers aren't aware that that is a, a service that they could uh, utilize. Um, 
but the the good thing for the family is is that the family would um, potentially get a, a list of a couple of names that kind of meet their um, availability requirements and their uh, pay scale requirements. And then they would know that this particular person has had their criminal record check. Um, and some of the basic, they've had a couple of references that have been checked. So at least the family doesn't need to do that particular piece. They're still in, um, responsible for hiring that person or not hiring that person. Um, but at least some of that uh, other piece is done as well. So did you want to speak to that, Eric, from a family perspective on how that that has worked for you or if you guys have used that service before? Yeah, for sure. So um We've used respiteservices.com uh, a couple of times um, with varying degrees of success. And um, as a family, um, you need to go, like Sylvia explained, uh, create a profile for your region. And um, someone typically is responsible for that region. So they will, um, you, can, you can be in contact with them and, and they will, you can ask them to look for profiles for you of support workers and, and they'll try and make um, some matches and, and send you resumes. Um, and then it's your responsibility to reach out to those support workers. Um, and then it's uh, your, from my experience, it's your uh, interview process and your hiring process. And that's kind of been on us to, to do. Um, so it can be a fair amount of work. However, if you are, whenever we've been really looking for workers that are a fit, um, we've had, um, you know, we have more control of the process with, with going that route. So uh, we have had some success hiring folks through uh, respiteservices.com. Um, a bit more work, but we find that it's worth worth it. Um, so the, the third way that individuals can look for um, a worker is, you know, more traditional kind of ways, whether replacing an ad on Kijiji or, you know, a friend of a friend, they have some discussion with, you know, do you know anybody who would be a good fit? Um, but again, then, then it would be up to the family to make sure that, you know, that this person does have their criminal record check and those pieces are in place. Um, so it's just an added extra step um, for them. But I also know families who've had great success. And I'm thinking of one family in particular who's had the same worker now for five years who just placed a Kijiji ad. And they were fortunate enough to, you know, two people were looking at the, this person was looking at the same time as the ad was placed. And so it's been a great match. So. Yeah, that's that great. can work too. Yeah, we've had uh, so I've had experiences uh, similar to that, but um, using job boards at local schools. So okay. we're not too far away from the University of Guelph. So um, been able to find support worker um, through utilizing the University of Guelph job board. Um, and uh, I've tried out, experimented with other job sites and, and stuff like that with um, less success. But those are definitely avenues to, to try and um, find people as well. The other um, thing that comes to mind is, and I, maybe you mentioned it, Sylvia, was l leveraging your, your networks. So Sarah has her support circle. And um, her support circle has been pretty good about thinking about their network and who would be a fit um to uh you know to introduce to Sarah maybe in a in a paid or non-paid support role so that has been has been great as well and recently you've met a couple of people right Sarah yeah yeah 
And I think that's the the other piece that is an important piece, and it's it's really on the individual and what they're looking for. But someone, you know, Sarah, you're you're fabulous in that you have so many interests and so many things you want to try. You know that, and it, maybe it's not just one worker. And I think often, for simplicity's sake, families are just like, I just want one worker who can do all of this. And sometimes it it can be in that individual's uh, best interest to have a couple of different people. You know. Um, it may be more coordination for them or for the family, um, but there certainly can be, you know, because you're increasing that person's um, connections as well. That kind of we're all interconnected and that web gets bigger the more people that we bring in, which can be, bring positive things, but also can bring complications sometimes as well. That's certainly something to think about. Right. And some support workers might be more experienced or comfortable in certain types of support. Um, so when I think about, again, going back to the support workers that Sarah has now, some are through an agency focused on, you know, mobility type things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, you and Sarah are working together and that's more focused (laughs) on facilitating community, um, interactions Mm -hmm. and engagement. And from what I've seen that community, engagement interaction i think that's uh, support workers becoming more common could you maybe provide a couple of examples about how you're as the as a support worker or facilitator (laughs) as i kind of see it how are you helping to facilitate that connection for sarah out in the community um i think there's there's several kind of components there is one is really getting to know sarah and getting to know or getting to know that person and getting to know what they're interested in um, because, you know, when, when I go out and do something that I really enjoy, I'm, I light up, I feel good. And when, when people light up and feel good, other people are naturally drawn in. So I think that's part of the process. Um, so, and in doing so is finding similar groups. So whether it be, you know, Sarah is, um, you know, eager into trying different things, especially for exercise, Right. So getting connected with the why, you know, and if she goes a couple of times, you know, there, there was one um, instance where you go somewhere and if you, you run into someone, you know, and build on those relationships. Um, one example, Sarah, is it OK if I talk a little bit about um, your Starbucks and how we how we work together when we're in Starbucks? Yeah. And, and for yeah. our listeners, Starbucks is like Sarah's most favorite thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> what she wants to ever do is go to Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the great thing is knowing knowing Sarah now a little bit that I do is that I know that Starbucks is one of her favorite places to go. <laughs> and so we are working together at um, her being more independent there. And so something as, as simple as that, oftentimes I find that when I provide support for someone who happens to use a wheelchair whatever service industry that we go to, people tend to look towards me when they're asking questions like, what would you like? Or how can we help you? What I have found, it's, it's something very small, but it has a real um, profound effect is that if I don't give eye contact and if I'm busy with my purse or fiddling with something, um, people, oh, she's not answering. And they now then look to Sarah and then Sarah provides the response. And so what I've enjoyed watching is that now when we go in, uh, because Sarah loves Starbucks and we were going more frequently, 
um, they, they get to know her and they know now not to look at me. They immediately look to Sarah and Sarah is the one communicating with them. And, you know, that relationship is starting to develop and, and you know, they see that she's trying new things. And it's, it's nice to watch that relationship and that Sarah's, I, I can see Sarah, like you're just feeling more comfortable than when we first started going. Um, and, and it's a small thing, but it's a really big thing because it's Sarah being seen and Sarah being able to communicate what she needs and what she wants on a very manageable, you know, daily thing that I think sometimes we, the rest of us take for granted. I love that. It's like you said, it's, it's a simple thing, but it's a huge thing by you just looking at your phone or looking away or pretending to be distracted <laughs> by something else. It draws that person attention, the, the server's attention back to, back to Sarah. And it gives Sarah that opportunity for the, for the interaction. And it's awesome to hear how that's changed as you continue to go. Right. And yeah. do they write your, do they know your name? Do they write your name on the cup? automatically now or do they ask you for your name still yeah okay i'm sure soon enough they'll know your name and and sarah you want your regular right yeah so that's pretty cool and it's interesting just that one simple thing that you've done with sarah i bet you've changed that interaction for other people who may happen to be in a wheelchair instead of looking at you know, maybe a friend that that individual is with, you know, that's higher up and and standing right in front of them, you know, my hope would be that now they look to that individual uh, in in a chair and and directly communicate with them. Um, It would be interesting to see that, but I bet, I bet it's changed that person's behavior. Well, and I I think that speaks to Sarah as well, because uh, it takes courage from Sarah to recognize that she's not being recognized at first and not letting that stop her, mm-hmm. that she, you know, continues and knows that, no, I, I want to be heard. And she does it in a very positive, polite way, um, which is then very well received. So that credit really goes to Sarah to, you know, working past some of that from that really is beyond her control, but she's using w- what she can control to make a positive difference. Yeah. I love that, Sarah. Good job. Mm-hmm. So how does that make you feel when you go into Starbucks now and they look at you and ask you for your order? How does that make you feel? It makes me feel good about myself. Makes you feel good about yourself. Good. That's important. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah. Awesome. Sarah, can I just give one other example? Um, Can we talk a little bit about the uh, cooking class and how that first came about? Sure. Yeah. So when Sarah and I, where she was first talking about why she wanted to take a cooking class, together she she was really reluctant to call and get more information about a particular class that she was interested in. Do you remember that first, you trying to make that phone call, Sarah? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit how you felt when you were trying to make that first phone call? I felt I have that I wasn't getting the right answers from the from Sarah. Right, and and why do you think that was? Do you think it's because um you were worried that she wasn't understanding what you were saying? And she didn't know me that, that well. That's right. And she didn't me that that well. So, so what did you do? How did you get through that? 
How is it that she knows you better now? I have one for her email. For her email address. Absolutely. And that's one of your huge strengths, right? Is that you're fabulous at emailing and connecting with people. Yeah. So now when you're looking at different classes, how comfortable do you feel connecting with Sarah and asking about new classes? I feel comfortable. Comfortable? Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. That's fabulous. So Sarah, it sounds like it was uh, finding the right way or the best way to communicate with people. Yeah. And email is... It's looking like it's working for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also, it's interesting to hear that story for me because I always, I, I often communicate with Sarah through Facebook or email. And I was interested to hear that she picked up the phone first because her go-to is Facebook. And then after that is email. And then after that is Facebook. And then after that is Facebook. <laughs> and then after that is Facebook. <laughs> so to hear, to hear you say that she picked up the phone first is interesting. But, um, Sarah, like it, you seem like you're getting more comfortable over the phone, which is kind of interesting. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Right. I see you kind of being more open to putting yourself out there in that, in that way, um, and growing and, and you and I talk on the phone a lot more now, which is, I like, so (laughs) thank you for talking to me on the phone. (laughs) Cool. Well, Sylvia, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and a ton of valuable information, um, that you provided today uh, for families. If uh, if a family or someone would like to get in touch with you to talk more about these topics or, or learn more about uh, your services or your path, um, how can someone get in touch with you? Probably the best bet would be to connect with me via email, which is sylviapories at everus.ca. Okay. So that would probably be the best way. Okay, perfect. And Sarah, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. So thanks for joining us and sharing your stories. Um, I think everybody learned a lot um, from you sharing your stories. So thank you for doing that. And I love you very much. So thank you. Okay. And Sylvia, thanks for joining us today and looking forward to seeing you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks very much, Eric. And it was great chatting with you again, Sarah, as always. Hey folks, I hope you really enjoyed that episode on support and providing support for your loved ones. And I hope it was a ton of value for you. Sylvia provides such a great perspective and uh, I really view her as someone that's helping to facilitate relationships for Sarah and the community. And as you heard through those stories, I think that, uh, you know, you'll be on side with me and agreeing that, that that's definitely what she's doing. And it's important to consider this type of support for for your loved one. It's not something that, uh, that I always see uh, families having. So something to consider. And one thing that I want to add is with the different types of ways to uh, find support workers, we've talked about agencies, respiteservices.com, and leveraging tools like uh, job search sites or local colleges and universities. Um, I just do want to mention that respiteservices.com is specific to Ontario, Canada. There might be other such uh, organizations and services available in your area. They might be called something similar or something different, but maybe just do a Google search or ask around to figure out what those services uh, might be. I'm excited for our podcast next week with Lynn McGregor, who is the founder of McGregor Design Group. 
which is a registered architectural interior design firm. And Lynn founded this firm in uh, the late 80s, and they focus on uh, interior design within uh, larger buildings, typically more commercial residential and uh, and office buildings. But interestingly enough, they've got involved in accessibility audits for structures. So Lynn has had the pleasure of sitting on a, a government panel uh, that looks at the building code and updates the building code for Ontario. And uh, along with that, she had the opportunity to get involved with the code in respect to the Ex- Accessibility Act. So uh, Lynn's very knowledgeable uh, around the act and when it comes to uh, the built environment. So excited to explore uh, the Accessibility Act and the built environment with Lynn. She gives a good overview of the Accessibility Act and Lynn gives you everything you need to know when it comes to accessibility in homes and in office buildings and in condos. And she provides some amazing tips on how to make your home uh, more accessible, both looking at uh, entering your home, inside your home, and enjoying the outdoor space in your home. So I think everybody's really going to enjoy that. Uh, I'd like to give a big shout out to L84Everything, who left uh, the podcast a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, L84Everything says, fantastic resource and community. Uh, I love the community Eric's building, as well as the valuable information he provides. Thank you. So big thank you for for the review. And uh, it really helps me know that uh, I'm moving forward in the right direction. So please keep those reviews coming on iTunes. Feel free to include any feedback you have in there for the podcast, uh, share any information and stories that you want to hear, and I'll do my best to get them on the show. Uh, Also, when you leave a review on iTunes, it makes the podcast uh, easier to find for others. So we can share this great information with other individuals and families that will benefit. So thanks for listening to the podcast this week with Sylvia and Sarah. Uh, And I really hope you enjoyed our conversation on support and different types of supports. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit us at empoweringability.org for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability build a full and meaningful life.